0: We are documenting miracles happening today. And today we have one of my most favorite superhumans, and it is Jen Nicely. And what I love about Jen is many things, but she is basically a powerhouse. One of the most famous people in the Prescott Church. She does everything and everybody loves her. And I don't want to give too much away because what I was going to say is going to give away the story. So (laughs) I'm not going to say that.
1: Did you know she ran for president? She <laughs> did.
0: And I will still want to recount for that one. But
1: And
2: Melissa was my
0: VP. We're going to hear a little bit about Jen in this powerhouse. And if you don't already love her, you will after this. Take
2: it away. Hello, everyone. A little bit about myself. I was born to a Christian family. So I was raised in a church. I was raised going to church hearing about God, hearing salvation and what God can do. I saw many people who just lived incredible lives and I would hear testimony after testimony of people who were hurt and broken and then they weren't. And from a very young age, I was very sensitive to this. And I was like, I don't want to have the opposite of what they're talking about. The broken life and the fulfilled life, I choose fulfilled. So I tried really hard to stay on that path And until I was about a senior in high school, I kind of started wavering a little bit, but quickly was like, nope, don't want to do that. So I rededicated my life to God, and a couple years later met my husband, Brian. Fun fact, he was actually my first boyfriend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, and then we got married, and as of now we have three kids. And Mm -hmm. still serving God, still giving him all the glory and praise for keeping me from a life of destruction. I very easily could have fallen into. I thank him for that. I have grown up seeing miracles of conversion because our church preaches the gospel and it it preaches change. There's a lot of change that happens and that we see within our church. And in the Bible, that's what we constantly saw. So growing up in that environment where I was seeing legs grow out because I would see an evangelist come or my pastor do a healing crusade or pray for the sick after a sermon. I've seen with my eyes down in Mexico, just multitudes of healings and just people raising their hands and people getting out of wheelchairs, walking without their crutches, deaf ears that all of a sudden can hear. It's just been amazing. And I would hear testimonies of miracle finances and people just getting blessed by God, and and then salvation being just the biggest miracle I would see. I would see drugged out homeless people come in and completely changed. And as a kid, I was like, oh, that guy's gross. And then a couple months later, I wouldn't even know it was the same person. Wow. And someone would be like, oh, no, that's so-and-so. What? And that was just amazing to me. And I would see backsliders come back. And a backslider, someone who used to serve God and had that change, but then left and decided to do their own will and decided, no, I can do this on my own. And then their life would slowly start to be destroyed by decisions that they were making. And then they would come back and they would have that refreshing and that change again. I just always was fascinated by it. However, growing up in this, we see miracles happen to other people. I never saw one personal because again, I stayed as close to the course as I possibly could. So I used to pray like, God, I want that. I want to be able to share what you can do from a personal aspect. And I'm like, I want to feel that because I would hear people talk about it. I wanted a miracle for personal reference points. That was something I specifically prayed for. And I was like, God, that reference point that so many people talk about, I would just love to have that. And life goes on. There was, like, ups and downs, just your general, you know, newly married. We struggled in finances, but not horribly. It it was paycheck to paycheck, but got a paycheck. We were blessed with a baby within three months. Like, there was no struggle there. It was just very, she was born completely healthy and Amazing. And we named her Kirsten, which means blessed. And then a couple years later, we were given Serena. And I felt God. It's not like God was not there, I was constantly feeling Him. And then Pastor Greg preached a sermon right before the fast. And he said, Be specific. And I said, Okay, I can do that. And I remember I felt just personally challenged to be specific on certain things. And there was three things that I was specifically praying for. And one of them was that Brian's income, that his income would be doubled. And the reason behind that just briefly was, again, we had a home, we had food on the table, but I wanted to be comfortable. And I was like, I just want to be comfortable. And I want to be able to be a blessing for people. And I told God that in my prayer, I said, he really laid it on my heart to be a blessing to other people. And I felt financially, I couldn't, as Ray Lynn talked about in my intro, like doing things. I love doing showers, baby showers, wedding. I love being a blessing to other people, but alongside of blessing people with your time, a lot of that comes financially. And so I was like, God, you placed this in my heart, but you have to provide those finances. So I'm saying right now, I'm going to be specific, double the income. The second thing that I really specifically prayed for, as I said, we had two beautiful, healthy baby girls. I wanted a baby boy more than anything. And I felt at the time a little, like, should I be praying for this? I don't know, like I already have two beautiful baby girls. Am I being selfish? And I remember feeling all this and I said, nope, be specific and just tell God what you want. So I said, God, I want a healthy baby boy. And if he had blue eyes, that'd be a bonus. <laughs> so, which I'd have to say, I have brown eyes. My husband has hazel. Like, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I was being specific. And the third thing, I was like, and God, I want you to speak to my husband in ways that I can't. And to back that up, I firmly believe our husbands and the men in our life are, are covering. And so I did not want to be a naggy wife who told him what to do. I feel when they're you covering and they're the ones making those decisions and God speaking to them and you at the same time and they're lining up. I just find that incredibly incredible, <laughs> incredibly incredible. That is not good language, but that is how I feel. And I just find that also very much God when God can speak to your husband and can speak to you. And I'm going to give a little example at a conference once we were both given an amount by God at offering on how much to give and we turned to each other and he said, what are you feeling? And I said, you go first. And he goes, let's go at the same time. And at the same time, we said the same number. And that's when I feel God is directing our marriage. And it's little moments like that. So that was my reasoning behind that prayer. God speak to him in ways that I can't because that's how I'm gonna know you're driving this family. And so I fasted, I contended, and then the fast was over. For those who don't know our fellowship fast, every six months we do a three day fast all together. And it's an incredible feeling to know that you're not alone in your fasting and prayer. And I feel it gives me a sense of like accountability one, and also just a sense of like togetherness. (laughs) Yeah, you just feel a part of something. And then yes, a unity and that God is just there. And I'd have to note, this was the first time I made it all three days without eating, which (laughs) I love to eat. (laughs) And I always had an excuse on why I couldn't in this time. I really felt like, no excuses, don't hold back, go for it. And I did, and it felt amazing. And then the three-day fast was over, and I was like looking around like, okay, (laughs) what's going to happen? And life kept happening, and I kept those three prayers just on my daily list. And every now and then, I would just really contend. And by contend, I mean I would be in tears crying. God, answer these prayers for me. Give me these as my reference point. And so a few months go by, and my husband, Brian, gets a phone call. And I'm going to back up. When Kirsten was born, three months after her birth, my husband was laid off from his job at a bank due to downsizing. He shook his boss's hand. She was devastated to have to let him go because she was like, I don't want to do this, but I have to kind of thing. He shook her hand. He said, Thank you for the opportunity, but God is going to take care of us. And he walked out those doors. Other little odd jobs here. Melissa here actually helped him then finally get another job at a bank. An opening came up at your bank. And you said, Brian, an opening came up. And he moved banks. He went over there, was working there. So fast forward. Now we're back in a few months after my fasting. The lady who fired him calls him. Out of the blue, I'd have to say he was not applying for jobs. He was doing well. We, he was making the most he's ever made more comfortable than even when I had first prayed that prayer. So out of the blue calls him and says, I have a job opportunity for you back at the original bank that he was let go from. And she goes, this position came available. And I immediately thought of you. And he's like, I haven't talked to you in five years. How did I come to mind? And he's like, well, okay. So she's like, I'm going to give you the name of the guy who's in charge of that department. And Brian goes, okay. And talks to me later. He goes, isn't that weird? I was like, that is so weird. He's like, I don't feel like switching banks. And if you know Brian, you know he is not one who likes change. Loyal. He is loyal. (laughs) He is consistent. And the thought of change is not something he likes to think about. So he's like, well, I said, at least call. See what it is. And he goes, okay. So he gives the guy a call. They set up a meeting. He starts telling him about this position. He would be salary-based. He's just telling him about this position, which isn't what he's used to right now. He was the personal banker. The guy then tells him what he would be doing. And then he asks Brian, what do you make right now? So Brian tells him the number. And he goes, oh, okay. Doesn't say anything else. They keep talking. Then Brian, I forget how it all comes up. The guy ends up telling him how much he would be making. And it was just under double of what he was making right then. And Ryan said he got super quiet and was like, oh, like he felt a little (laughs) (laughs) okay. So then he gets off the phone and he comes and tells me, and he's like, you will not believe it. This is the job. So being salary-based and not hourly, there's a little more flexibility and leeway with his scheduling and then the money. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And he's like obviously i want to talk to you i want to pray about it first he does that he ends up accepting the position and he goes to sign his contract there's an added thousand dollars onto his contract that was not discussed ever and being the honorable person brian is he brings this up to them (laughs) he's like oh you guys added a thousand
1: (laughs) dollars
2: And he's like, oh, no, I know. That's what we decided. This is why
1: you would trust (laughs) Brian with your life. You would.
2: (laughs) Because he is honest, honest Brian. So, which I want to just also throw this in here. What a miracle on this job, too. My husband has not one day of college. This is a position that they, I mean, the bare minimum requirement is a four-year degree. They prefer more, you know, just schooling. He has none of that. So when they told him, oh, but but to see that added thousand, he's like, they're like, no, we just feel like this is where we should start you. He signs on. Then he starts to learn about his commissions that he'll get. So once he learns the commissions that he's gonna be paid for this position is very different than what he was making commission-wise in his other position, we realized it would equal double his income. And I was like, Brian, God answered prayer number one. He answered it and we were so excited. And that just started this little fire kind of inside of us. God gave us a reference point. We have a reference point and God is hearing our prayers and there's this tangible thing that we can now point to. And we were just excited about that. Like I almost forgot about all my other (laughs) prayers because I was just so excited. And, and then come to find out too, his boss is amazing and just different things that come about with this position. We were able to afford health insurance up until this point, we didn't have it. And it was almost something we debated, like,
1: should we fund money on health insurance? And um, I literally remember (laughs) having this conversation with Brian (laughs) Yeah, and it being like, I Is ride this? my bike. I we're healthy. <laughs> We've never even gone to the doctor. No, I we're see young. this huge amount coming out of every single paycheck. Uh. And I just we can't we can't. We can't do this. No. For a family of four. A family of four. When he had a family of four. Yeah. He's like, it's X a dollar amount. And it was like and breathtaking we, amount out of his paycheck at the time.
2: It was. Yeah. And so it just wasn't doable even to like survive. Like We prefer food. (laughs) So now he's able to afford health insurance. These things start to then come and play into our lives later that we didn't even know. Shortly after that, I want to say it was only a month, I find out I'm pregnant with a baby boy. And I'm just like (coughs) blown away to the point where I was in tears just thanking God daily. God, I would be driving and I'd be like, God thank you. Thank you. And then the doubt would come and I'm like, what if they were wrong? What if the <laughs> ultrasound tech was wrong? And then I would be like, God, I have up until the day this baby comes out of my body for you to make this a baby boy. And I'm not even kidding. I used to pray that because, and I say this and I should have preferenced with the ultrasound tech wasn't hundred percent sure. So she goes, I'm pretty sure it's a boy, but he was not giving her a very good view. So I was like, God has until this baby comes out of my body to decide. And that baby boy shot out of me with the biggest bluish eyes I have ever seen in my life. And it is so hard to tell them no. But I try my best (laughs) (laughs) to discipline him with his big old blue eyes staring at me.
1: Raylan, where are the tissues?
2: (laughs) And his name is Ethan John. Ethan was a name we just had forever. I want to point out John is his middle name from Brian's grandfather, who is John Metzler. If any listeners know who that is, he was one of Pastor Mitchell's. Besties (laughs) in um, Bible college. And just he was a very influential evangelist. And he had a tragic accident and passed away very young in his ministry and everything. So we wanted to honor him. And so Ethan John is his name. And he got those blue eyes. And I was like, God, reference points. And that was my second prayer. I checked off my list and said, thank you. And then the third one, it all kind of happened. So back to back, but jumping back to that thousand dollars that was on Brian's contract, he felt God move him to give that thousand dollars to a pioneer church. And this is a big step because like we had just gotten, you know, we're starting to just get on our feet. And he asked me about it and I was like, do it. If God says to do it, do it. And so he did. And sure enough, that family then tells us they had been praying for that. And so it just had God's hands all over it. Like there was just no denying God at all. Like anyone I talked to about it, it's God. How could it not be God? Like these aren't just things that just happen. This is God. And that was your
0: third prayer that God and would that was speak my to your husband prayer. in ways you couldn't.
2: Yep. Because wow. like, I can't tell him, hey, you should give that thousand dollars because he'd be like, all right. <laughs> and so like for him to have that moment too, because then I felt like he was a part of the miracle and he was a part of the reference point as well. It wasn't just mine because marriage is a unity and you become one.
1: Was Brian aware of the three things you were praying for from the beginning? Or was it's it funny something? you ask that because he
2: was. And this is the part where he's always like, ah. Oh. But he realizes it. He's okay with me talking about it because he realizes it's part of it. He left in a, like, loving husband way. Yeah. Like, okay, double my income. Again, he had no college degree. Mm-hmm. He knew the banking worlds. He wasn't planning on moving up. He couldn't see it. And as loyal and good as Brian is, he's very realistic. And so he's like, realistically, there is no way I'm gonna make more. No, it's not realistic. Mm. So he kind
1: of laughed, like, okay, you pray that. <laughs> you know what's funny about this uh-huh. is, so I'm aware of the banking world too, yes. right? And so they used to always try to get Brian to take a management <laughs> position, which is in traditional banking. The role that would make you more money, yes, and not double, mm-hmm, right, yeah. he always used to say, "No, I'm not a leader, I like to be a team player, <laughs> yeah. I like to come alongside, yeah. you know, I don't want the stress of that, I don't want to do it, and so he he had capped out as far as like the banking yeah. institution that we were in, mm-hmm. if he didn't want to do that, so I can one hundred percent just see this, yeah, behind the scenes where his wife is praying for double, and he's like. I've been doing banking for years. There isn't a position. No,
2: like that's cute of you. And he knew he was going to stay in banking because he knew at this point in our age, in our life, he's pushing 40 now, guys. (laughs) 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 He had to stick the course. He's already thinking about retirement. He's a think, you know, Mm future plan. He's a planner.
1: Yeah, he didn't see it happening. So cool. He did
2: not see it happening.
1: Okay, so he knew about all three of them and he kind of laughed at the income. He kind of laughed at the income.
2: He also wanted a baby boy, but he was very content being a girl dad. Wanted a boy, but content being a girl dad. I was the one who was like, I want my baby boy. I want my mama's boy and I want that. And I can't even tell you why. Like, I love my girls too. I don't want that to come across wrong. I just knew that was our missing piece, kind of. There was something inside of me that just, I don't know. I knew that. It was him. I call him our end cap, our bookends that just completes. And so God answered those three prayers, and they were very specific. They were the most specific I've ever really prayed in my life. And God gave me reference points. And then It started bleeding into other areas of my life. Ethan was born. Three months later, Brian loses his dad. Suddenly, his dad was ill, but getting better. And so we had all these high hopes of things to come. And then we get an unexpected news of his passing, which just devastates our family. And it's like, wow, okay, so this is a big moment for us. We start relying back on reference points and just clinging to God and the hope of God and things to come. And we're going to get through this six months after that. So Ethan is now, I think eight months or so. I find a lump in my breast and I'm nursing and I'm like, gosh, this stupid clogged milk duct will not go away. I go see a doctor and I'm complaining about everything under the sun. I'm like, <laughs> I have this annoying lump that won't go away. Can you make it go away? My back is in so much pain. And Ethan was a nine pound baby. He was born at nine pounds. They just keep getting heavier, by the way. Like, so I'm like, he's killing my back because having to lift him, carry him. My amazing doctor who told me, you know what? We're going to just make sure. So go back just a little bit in my life when Serena was a baby. I also had some lumps that they checked out and they were nothing. So I thought nothing of it. I was like, oh, this annoying thing is happening to me again. I go in, the doctor could have easily written it off and been like, you know, we checked this with your other baby. It was nothing. But he goes, I still want an ultrasound. I like to fare on the side of caution. It's probably nothing. And I was like, sure, okay. How annoying, I have to go all the way over there. I get my ultrasound done and it's breast cancer. And I was like, so taken aback by that. I almost felt, and I go back to Brian losing his dad, like that was our big life crisis, God. Why are you giving us another one? I feel like we learned and went through pain already. Can we not do this again? and it just kept getting worse from there so i get the initial diagnosis which the ultrasound tech told me and he shouldn't have that was my our first wording of cancer and i was by myself and i called Brian in the car and cuz he had stayed to watch ethan cuz again he's a baby so then they they're sending me to physical therapist for my back and this and that and then i'm trying to deal with this and they're taking biopsies. And all of a sudden it was just, my life got crazy busy. I lived in doctor's offices while they're testing you to see what it is and what kind it is and how far along you are and all these things that I didn't even know came with a cancer diagnosis. And it was my 31st birthday that I, on my birthday, that I met with my oncologist. And That was the first time I sat face-to-face with a doctor with Brian by my side. And they told me, it is indeed breast cancer. They told me the size. It was really big. We took it. It it was kind of still a shocking moment. I remember shortly after that, as I said earlier, I go to a church that we have a pastor who prays constantly for the sick. And Pastor Mitchell was doing a healing crusade in Prescott Valley. And I went and I said, I'm going to get healed right here, right now. And I went up there and he paid for me and I felt it shrink. And I, he had me have my hand on, cause I could feel the lump from the outside. And he had me have my hand on my lump and I could feel it shrinking. And I was just giving God all the glory. And it was like, I was also reminded though, of my reference points and God's like, cause it didn't go away. I checked it all night, all night long. Is it gone? Is it gone? Still there? And God's like, I'm still here. Remember your reference points you asked me for. They're here for a reason because you need to know I am God and I'm here for you. And so I said, Okay, you obviously have timing because there's timing in everything. And I've seen that my whole life with God. And we have another doctor's appointment a week later. And I get told I'm stage four. This is after all my big scans and everything. And the doctor goes, I laugh because the doctor says, so you're stage four. And I was like, out of (laughs) my cancer. Ignorance was like out of, and he goes four. I was like, Oh, okay. Well then this is probably not something I should be overachieving. in." and, um, that was the moment Brian and I cried in a doctor's office. Our doctor's so kind, whole other story I could go into for, another hour just on how God lined up different doctors and just the way things fell into place. And I was just placed in the right hands constantly. I talked a little bit about even my OBGYN who sent me to go get an ultrasound. That doesn't happen. I've been in contact with a lot of people in the cancer community who are young, especially women with breast cancer. Their doctors overlook it constantly, especially with nursing mothers. And I find out that's the, also my back pain. I had cancer all along my spine. It was on multiple lymph nodes. It was on my liver. It was my body just had cancer all throughout. And that's what, when that was said, it, the reality of it kind of was starting to sink in to Brian and I. And we cried and our doctor gave us time and then came back and started talking about the plan. And he goes, we got to get a board placed immediately. So the port is something that will take the chemo to your veins without it being in your arm and like destroying your veins basically. So it, it helps. And he goes, we need to get that place. And then we're going to get you started on chemo right away. Like we cannot wait. And I said, okay. And Brian and I were like, yeah, let's do this. So the miracle in this, I have health insurance. One of the first questions they ask you, do you have health insurance? Because this is going to be a big thing. And I was like, Brian, we have health insurance. And I feel like God laid specific prayers on my heart for a reason. I say this just because he knew what we needed. And that was laid on my heart to double the income. And at the time, I thought it was so I could be a blessing to other people so we could live comfortably. But he's like, no, you. I know what's coming. And you need this. With... Ethan being there, most people, when I would sit in my chemo chair, it's mostly older people around you. You're too young. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, your kids. And I said, it's amazing. I found a blessing in it that I could go home instead of feeling depressed and sad. I had this beautiful baby boy who just made us laugh. Cause at that time he's starting his personality. There's just such an innocence about them. And they don't know what's going on. And so they're just happy. And I had someone to care for. And I just had a piece. And our home was just filled with laughter. Ethan was a baby. Serena was four. And Kirsten was six. And there was just so much joy in the home instead of depression, which I feel God also knew we needed. I personally needed that, too. I needed. So that was amazing. And then God being there for Brian and Brian having that now relationship and reference point. I mean, he always did too. He was a church kid, a pastor's kid, in fact, but because of that thousand dollar thing that seemed so little at the time that connected him in a way that he is, that he needed as well. When it all first happened and I got my port placed, we were just about to have our Bible conference and I had my first chemo during conference. And our Bible conference is where all of our pastors and leaders and even just different people in different churches from all around the world come together. And we just worship God together. We hear amazing sermons. We kind of just all recalculate. It's like Siri telling us to recalculate. (laughs) Recalculating. And that's how I envision conference because my mind thinks like a comic strip, (laughs) but I feel like it's just kind of like a readjust. There is such power. And this was back when we still had the tent. I walked in, I had my chemo done. I had my port place Friday. Wednesday, I had chemo. The Wednesday of conference. Thursday, I felt great. So the weird thing with chemo is you don't feel bad the day or two after. The symptoms don't hit till a couple days because... They have you on steroids. So you're kind of just wide awake and like, hey. and so I felt fine. And I told Brian, I'm going, I want to go to conference. Thursday night." he's like, you just got chemo yesterday. And I was like, I don't care. I want to go to conference. And I went to conference and it was probably the best way to start chemo. If anyone has to do it, do it during conference. <laughs> because just hundreds of people worshiping God And I just felt God's presence and I just felt it's gonna be okay. It's just gonna be okay because God is God and he's not going anywhere and he's still here. And so many people coming up and hugging me and telling me, we're praying for you. We're going to be praying for you. It's not going to stop. And these are people, like I said earlier, from around the world telling me this. My husband's Father used to pastor in Guam. So there was some people there. We're going to be praying for you in Guam and the time changed. So you're like, don't, don't even worry. (laughs) So while you're sleeping, we're praying. And I was like, awesome. And I just felt like I was able to go into it with such a, I just felt so surrounded by people. And I love that because as you mentioned to people and outgoing, I just, I do love people. And so to just know that and that presence in that place, it was just a different feel that I've ever had before in a conference setting like that. My first round of chemo, I already saw improvement. My back completely better. They were expecting me, they were giving me morphine at the time because my back was in that much pain. Come to find out now, I guess cancer on the bone is some of the most intense pain you'll feel. And I was just like doing life. (laughs) I was like, like, my my back hurts. And I attributed it to painting because I was painting. So I was like, maybe I pulled something. And so the pain was gone. My liver, the cancer in my liver cleared up right away. It was just like, I don't even think that cleared up before I even started chemo. So God was already healing me. But that one tumor in my breast just would not go away. And so I finally, again, God lined stuff up. In his perfect timing, there was a doctor who came from the East, the East Coast, not the East. <laughs> and she's like number one in the fields, happened to come to Sedona of all places, And she goes, oh, I'll do surgery on you. Didn't care that I was stage four or anything. She did a surgery. It was flawless. And she goes, I'm going to say you're pretty much cancer free. And I said, I'll take it. And so I'm pretty much cancer free.
1: <laughs> You're Ned. <laughs> yeah. Ned. No evidence. Yeah, and of the disease. other
2: crazy thing like. is I had a really good doctor who was very I feel right now to God really put in our life. Everyone responds differently to doctors. Some people like doctors who are just very cut to the chase, tell it like it is, move on. They want like a doctor. I want a friend. In a doctor and that's my own personal choice and most doctors i was seeing were not that case later he was the first doctor and he had just moved here too so like it was kind of timing god knew who we needed and he was a doctor who took things step by step he never overwhelmed us which we don't like to so he was very much step by step and like okay now we're gonna do chemo and we're gonna start slow too so he wanted To originally, he's like, we're going to do six rounds and then we'll see how your body does because most people can't handle seven and eight, though at your stage, we like to do eight. Another place where God came into play, my sixth round was really hard for me. And I told God, I need to do seven and eight. God, you have to help me do seven and eight. The doctor asked me, he goes, I'm going to leave it up to you because you didn't handle it very well six. And I said, let's do it. Let's take seven on seven and eight were the easiest rounds of chemo I had, which is unheard of. He would come in and go, what's your symptoms? I'm like, yeah, not really anything. They were very mild. And he goes, no way. Like he didn't believe me because the more rounds you do the worse. I mean, your are you're just slowly, your body just can't handle that much intensity of the chemo that it starts to get harder. And for me, seven and eight. And cause I knew I was like, God, I need to do these. That tumor is still there. He let me do them. And God was like, okay. And he made them easy. And then two, by that time, I was probably five months into doing chemo. And so I was tired. I wanted energy. I I wanted to be a mom. I was tired of like missing out on things. And so yeah, God really helped me get through seven and eight. And my doctor just took things slow, step-by-step. He never like scared us either. I would have people ask me, what's your life expectancy? What's this? What's the numbers? And I said, I don't know. My doctor doesn't tell me. And he tells me to stay off Google. So I do because doctor orders. So I didn't look much into it. He never really said anything. And just a few months ago, like I said, I still go get my little treatment of my, of the blocker that helps it from coming back. And so I'm sitting there in my chair, and she's hooking me up and talking, and she's like, "It's just incredible you're still here." She's like, "We didn't think you were going to make it six months." and it kind of shook me, and I could tell in her eyes like, I shouldn't have said that. My nurses too i'm on I've been going for over four years now. We have such a relationship when you go every three weeks for four years, you get to know people. so she was really comfortable, and so she's just talking, and then I think she realized because my doctor had never said that. And it was at that moment I realized,
0: too, like,
2: oh, what I had was not <laughs> good. And so when she said that, I was like, ah. And I just said, well, thank you, Jesus.
0: I remember you telling me, too, when you found out the specific type of cancer you had and, like, all the ins and outs, something about, like, they even said if you found this out, like, 15 years ago, it would have been, like, a three-month Yeah, thing. yeah.
2: So I was diagnosed with Stage four breast cancer, ER positive, PR negative, HER2 positive. So what that means is when they diagnose a cancer for informational purposes, wherever the cancer originated, that's the name of the cancer. So mine originated in the breast. So it's breast cancer. Cause I had this question too, cause it went to my spine. So I'm like, do I now have bone cancer? It's on my bone. No, it's breast cancer that metastasized and went all over. ER positive means my cancer responds to estrogen, it feeds off of estrogen. So me being pregnant and nursing made it spread quick. My cancer was eating it up, all this extra estrogen and stuff in my body. And HER2 positive means my cancer was aggressive. So I was positive for her too. Your body has these receptors. This is how it was explained to me, these receptors that know, most bodies know how to turn on and off mine stays on good or bad so it was spreading this cancer just aggressively they can't even pinpoint when i might have even started having it because again cancer symptoms really do mimic pregnancy symptoms and new mom symptoms you know they're like are you tired i'm like <laughs> All the time. But that just goes into, there's just so much that it actually mimics. So there was no way of knowing. Um, So yeah, the HER2, they have this drug out there, these two drugs that help it turn off. It's called a blocker. It's this drug that blocks your receptors from spreading. It turns them off. I am currently still getting that every three weeks I go. And so, because spoiler alert, everyone, I'm still alive. Cancer did not kill me. (laughs) But before this drug was created the life expectancy was 5 years is what i was told you didn't make it to your 5th year because it was just too aggressive and there was no way to beat it it was basically they would give you chemo they would kill off the cancer you had but then it would just come back and and then eventually kill you so there's this amazing drug now that i still get being stage 4 i'll get it for life but it's keeping me alive and that alone too is just an amazing miracle because that wasn't around and now it is and modern medicine and the timing. I'm in the age where I get this amazing medicine. Brian's new job. Uh-huh. Did it allow
1: for him to be a little bit more flexible with his it schedule?
2: Absolutely did. That was another thing that God just knew what we needed being salary and having the amazing boss he had said, all doctor's appointments go. He wasn't tied down to a desk. A lot of what his job did, he could do on the go or elsewhere or even down to the point where sometimes he did have to stay and watch Ethan. We had an amazing support system within our church. I mean, blows me away at how many people stepped up to help us. I kind of laughed because the doctor told me, so you're going to need a support system, gather a couple people. And I'm like, "Mm, how about thousands? Because... (laughs) I mean, it not even our church, our fellowship which is all over the world, I had someone praying for me. And I would tell people that all the time in my chemo chair. I'm like, "Yeah, someone's praying for me right now. What time is it? They might be in China, they might be in Guam, <laughs> but someone around the world is praying for me right now." And that's how I can have peace right now sitting here because I know there's someone. And in our church, we had people bring meals, watch my kids, Just be there for us. Clean my house. I really did not feel like we were alone at all. It was almost to the point where I had to like turn help away because I had too much of it, which is a good problem to have. And my doctor obviously sees a lot of this, and he doesn't see that very often, which is why he tells people to get at least a couple people in their corner because he knows how much you need it. But, yeah, Brian's job absolutely did give him the flexibility to be there for us. He was a busy dad. He was definitely a busy dad at that time.
0: I remember when all this was happening and it was, I remember the healing crusade. And I remember when you pray, I remember you crying like, it's shrinking, it's shrinking. And in my head, I'm like, oh, there you go, we're good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. good. She's good, healed. It was a while later that I even found out that you still had cancer. I remember texting you and being like, how did I not know this? Cause we were in the drama team together. We had kids the same yeah. age. We're good friends. But what I want to say, the crazy thing is watching it from the outside is the peace you guys had. This is devastating. It's a young family, people we know people, we have kids at the same age. Mm-hmm. It just, to me, it felt unthinkable. And knowing Jen, she's a powerhouse. She's tiny, but she's a powerhouse. <laughs> she just takes on the world. Uh-huh. and, I was like, can't happen. It cannot to Jen. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically one time, I need to bring you food because what the heck kind of friend am I? I go over, you had just had chemo. You're like, let me let me see how I feel because it's a wild card Yeah, how you're going to feel afterwards. You're like, one day it's this, one day I'm fine. Yeah. And you had said, oh, I'm feeling okay today. So yeah, come over. And Man, that day I come to quotation help you. <laughs> my right arm you have it and I remember leaving feeling so encouraged like wait a minute wait, wait 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 wait, back it up I'm supposed to be here helping you remember you're the one that has cancer you're the one that your life is in shambles and it wasn't like that you guys I'm sure obviously it was hard but I remember leaving feeling like man I'm encouraged I, I she encouraged me and that was supernatural. That was something that like God
2: gave Because that's you guys. only from God. We talk about that constantly. And my husband puts it as you go to lift a box that looks so heavy. Because cancer is heavy. And you go to lift it, but it's so light. And you're able to carry it. And yeah, you're still having to carry something, but it's so light. And that's because God has made it light. Something that's supposed to be so heavy is now we're still having to carry it and go through it, but God gave us so much peace. I remember being told by a couple, few people, you know, you don't cry enough, I would be told, or like, you don't seem depressed. Do you know what you're going through? And I'm like, I I do, but God is good. God is bigger than this, but it's just incredible at how God can move you through a situation And he really is an umbrella. You know, you're going through the storm and he's just covering you and you still have to go through that storm. You know, there's no way around it. The storm is there, but he gets you through and there's a light at the other end and there's that sun shines Mm -hmm. through and it's just like, what did we just go through? But God's light at the end of that is so much brighter and I'm glad we could be encouraging, but I do feel that I never even thought of it. I never felt on your brave face try to make it God just genuinely gave us such a peace and a joy that I was still alive. I still had my kids. There was still so much to be thankful for and to see blessing.
1: And I remember when we found out that you had cancer. I've always been close to Jen, not always, but <laughs> since I met her <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jen were always really I think close. We were, like, we
0: were both born awesome. We yeah,
1: always yeah, been yeah. Exactly. So we have been friends for years.
2: Well, that's because we kind of look like. Yeah, everyone always thought we were sisters. True. It's true.
1: So I hit it off from Jen from like the first time we hung out at conference, and we just were crazy. Well, that's together. we
2: instantly ran for president and <laughs> VP. That's right. <laughs> the yes. very first time we met.
1: So then years later, I worked with her husband, and for anybody who doesn't know them, you know how there's certain people who. Everybody likes them. Like if someone has a problem with these people, you're the problem. That is Jen and Brian. They're so much fun. They're super down to earth. They never walk around condescendingly. People love Jen. People love Brian. And they're really talented and outgoing. And they're just the kind of people you want to hang out with. And I remember Dorian making this comment and I felt like it was so accurate. He said, these are the nicest people I've ever met in my life and it shouldn't happen to them. And he was really torn up about it. We all were torn up about it. And then I was at someone's house with you the day that it was confirmed with the doctor. And I was looking at you and I'm like, she's just happy. I even remember what you were wearing, thick, long black hair. And I'm like, this cannot be happening. And from the outside looking in, I never would have guessed you even had cancer. So I am with Raylan on this that I feel like you guys impacted people around you. Oh, you guys are so sweet. And then I remember coming to your house and I felt like such an idiot because... But I remember just saying like just Jen and Brian were like... I don't know what I was expecting, but maybe I was like those losers who just was expecting you to be crying all the time or something, but I was. No, I think it's, like I said, cancer is such a heavy word.
2: Yeah. And it it holds so much weight, but something we quickly learned uh, at the very beginning is that everyone's going through something. And so to sit in self-pity or just poor me, That wasn't any fun either. That was like, I don't like this feeling. And it was almost, I say, easier to deal with what I was going through to focus on other people and to be like, let's just make the best of this and let's still have Mm -hmm. that joy that God gave us and let's show peace. Let's also think that even if you're talking to someone else, they could still be going through something just because they don't have this heavy word of cancer, cancel out what they're going through that other people are going through. Especially as a Christian, God calls us to be there for others and to help others and to encourage others and to show them Christ-like. God calls us to be there for other people. And just because I have cancer doesn't mean I get to sit here and just be like, well, I have cancer. So mm." it was more like No, everyone deals with something at some point. I'd have to say it was hard not to do ministry. Again, talking to viewers who maybe don't know our church, when we say ministry, that's serving in the church in some capacity. And so a ministry I had joined and taken on was helping in our nursery. And I loved it. I love it. I still do it. And that was hard. It was hard not to come to church. I had my really sick chemo days and everyone during quarantine was all complaining about having to watch live stream. And I'm like, hey, yeah, just did this. (laughs) Yeah, welcome. Welcome to having to sit in the living room and try to sing off key and there's no one blocking you out and your kids are looking too weird. But I thank God that I was in a church that at the time offered a live stream for homebound people. So they were very kind and they gave me the password for days that I couldn't make it. So I could still feel a part of church and a part of the community kind of that was built there. And that helped so much. I am so thankful for that.
0: Was there ever a time when you were going through it that you just thought, I'm not going to make it? Did you guys have to talk about that? Like you and Brian?
2: I I for sure did. Especially when I got the diagnosis of stage four metastatic. At that time, they didn't want to do surgery on me. They're like, it's kind of pointless to do surgery is what I was told we're going to just see what chemo does. So it was very heavy. And there was times I felt it the most when I was so sick and I was lying in bed and I could hear my family in the living room having fun without me, like there, that part was hard. And then the attacks on the mind that happen when you're at your most vulnerable states. And so I would hear them playing a game or, you know, Brian being super dad out there and taking care of dinner and then playing a board game with the kids. And I'm just so sick. I can't even get out of bed and I'm listening to it as if I'm not there. And that's when those low moments would hit me. Cause I'm like, they're going to be okay without me. That's kind of hard to take. And those were my thoughts. And when those moments would hit me, that's when, though, I would start to feel bad for myself and my kids. And what I personally did is I would pray. That's when I would open my Bible. Because like I said, when I would stay in that frame of rhyme, I didn't like it. It was too dark. I don't do dark. I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> so I would be like, God, I, I I can't listen to these thoughts anymore. And I would start to read my Bible. I would start to pray. And I would get this peace again. And I was like, God's giving me a peace for a reason. And then those, to tie it all in, those reference points would come back. And God's like, I am still the God of your reference points. Still the God. I am still here. Pray specifically. And so I would start to pray specifically. Like, God, take these thoughts away and don't let them return. Because I don't like them. I can do the chemo. I can do not having my long, beautiful, brown, thick hair. But take these thoughts away. And he did. Those thoughts, I want to say, didn't, those first few months. And then I stopped having them. Brian stopped having dark thoughts too. We accepted the reality of it and we had a plan in place. And then we never talked about it again. We lived life. We served God and we would reference back. To sum up the cancer parts, my latest scan showed no evidence of disease, which they call MED, which is amazing. Being stage four and that it's metastatic, they say they cannot ever call me cancer-free because since it had spread through all out, they said there could be one tiny little cell. And so liability reasons, I guess, is my guess. But I say I'm cancer-free. Like that's because of God, because of God.
1: And now it's documented.